Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. You know, coming out of Election Day, there was a lot. Everybody was thinking like, okay, the, the, the Mueller investigators have kind of gone quiet in this couple months before the election. Everybody's expecting a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff suddenly going to happen after Election Day. Uh, well, they weren't kidding because we're like we're like five or six weeks after Election Day and a ton of stuff has happened. And not only a ton of stuff from uh, Robert Mueller's uh, special counsel's office, there's also been a lot of stuff, maybe even an escalating amount of charges and investigations from the Southern District of New York. Now, yesterday we had this very dramatic hearing for Michael Flynn, a, a sentencing hearing, and we're used to those sentencing hearings being, they're not necessarily, often they're, often they're dramatic in their own way, but they're almost more like rituals than hearings. Uh, the the defendant, I guess no longer a defendant at that point since they've pled guilty in these cases, but comes in, uh, they, have to, they have to say for the record that they're guilty and so on and so forth. The judge usually admonishes them and chastises them for their wrongdoing, and then you get a sentence. Obviously, it went very differently yesterday. Uh, some unexpected things. The most unexpected thing is is uh, Michael Flynn was not sentenced. <laughs> we still have that coming. So uh, TPM's Tierney Sneed was in the courtroom yesterday, and she's joining us uh, today to discuss the details of what happened and also the atmospherics since you were there. Tierney, how you doing? Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It was a crazy day. I, it seems like it. So, bef- okay, before we get into the drama, what do we know about if Michael Flynn had not agreed to cooperate, agreed to plead guilty to this one charge? What do we know in a pretty specific sense the special counsel's office could have charged him with? Yeah, so this, this actually came up specifically in the, in the hearing yesterday. Judge Sullivan wanted to hear it from the prosecutors themselves, you know, how generous this deal was that he got. And it was pretty extraordinary that after all the evidence that we now know Mueller had on Flynn, he still came into the courtroom, or his prosecutors came into the courtroom yesterday asking that he serve no prison time. So we know that he lied to the FBI about the Russian conversations with the Russian ambassador, about the conversations he was having about a U.N. motion during the transition. And even though he wasn't charged for this, we also know that he lied on his FARA forms, his, you know, the registration he, asked, he was supposed to file for his foreign lobbying, for lobbying he was doing during the tail end of the campaign for Turkey. Um, and we know we got, we got to learn a lot more details about that undisclosed lobbying campaign uh, with the re- revelation earlier this week of an indictment against his business partners. And it was really stunning the amount of evidence that prosecutors have on Flynn and his business partners for what they were what they were doing at this time, and you know, blatantly not registering it. And when it came up in the hearing, the judge specifically asked the prosecutors, you know, these offenses, what's the what's the exposure there? And you know, there was a little back and forth, uh, and the prosecutors did say, you know, five years, and then five to ten years. So you know, maybe up to fifteen years, depending on how you know, sentencing is always sort of a a uh, flexible thing, but could have been 15 years that Flynn could have been sentenced with if 
prosecutors had, you know, tried to throw the book at him. Um, and, and, so this isn't, was, and this isn't theoretical because his partners are have been indicted and are looking at 50, at least on paper at 15 years right so this isn't like a notional thing the, the his his accomplices whatever you want to call them they are looking at that much time yeah yeah especially yeah because one of the two also have a line to the FBI charge so if you stack all those charges together yeah it's a really long time that Flynn could have been uh, imprisoned had he not cooperated. Now, do we know it? Because with that Turkish uh, lobbying, there was, I think it's always been a little fuzzy what they were trying to do with this uh, man, Gullen, who is a, uh, a, 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 Claire, a Turkish cleric who is a permanent resident. I believe he lives in Pennsylvania. It was always there was some sense they might actually be not just trying to like extradite him once they were in office, but like kidnap him, like in an extra legal. Did anything? It doesn't sound like there was something related to that that they were that anybody was charged with. Am I right? Yeah. So the indictment, when it sort of explains the lobbying campaign, it doesn't address this report. This report that emerged, the Wall Street Journal reported based on the conversations with former CIA director James Woolsey, who was at some point brought into this lobbying scheme. He said at one point, it was vaguely discussed, that there would be some sort of dark of night covert operation to perhaps remove Gulan. Um, That did not come up in the indictment. They just kind of explained it as a lobbying campaign to convince, uh, you know, the U.S. government and the American public that... Gulen should be extradited, and, you know, they wanted congressional hearings about this and, you know, kind of make all these accusations about Gulen, but nothing in there about, you know, some sort of uh, kidnapping plan for right, him. So, right, you know, right. maybe maybe there was that, maybe there wasn't, but we didn't get a clear answer on that from the indictment that we saw earlier this week against the business partners of Flynn. Got it. Okay, so b- before we go any further, I, I have to do a quick... Uh, a little information for our listeners about about our sponsor, Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. I realize it's quite a quite a, 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 a switch here, <laughs> um, but I, we did we, we kind of jumped into the into the substance before we got to it. So just uh, without any more ado, if you love cold brew ice coffee, you know how expensive your habit can be. We're talking four to five cups of coffee a day, over a hundred dollars a month, and that's just money. Now add up all the time you've spent. Waiting in those coffee lines is not exactly convenient. Luckily, there's a better way. Order Grady's Cold Brew online and have it delivered straight to your home or office door. You can pour a glass of Grady's famous cold brew straight from your fridge for less than a buck a cup, saving you over $1,000 a year, and shipping is always free. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. Okay, that was a little jagged even even, even in my years, but let's, let's but thank Thank you to Grady's for uh, uh, sponsoring our podcast. Let's so Tierney. Let's get back into it now. So we we've established that, and and this was clearly weighing on the on the judge's mind a lot yesterday. That Flynn is in there. He's pleading to a relatively minor charge when he probably could have been convicted of a number of charges that would have you know life changing prison time. So. Let's start from the beginning. How did this, you're in the courtroom, how did this unfold? So before he moved to sort of the sentencing mechanics, which as you mentioned, uh, you know, can be dramatic because you might have emotional speeches, but are pretty sort of, 
you know, buy the book, how you go about it. Uh, before he did any of that, he brought up Flynn's plea, which was interesting because there's been this giant conspiracy theory that Flynn was, you know, entrapped into lying to the FBI, that, you know, they bullied him into taking this guilty plea, and that this whole thing is a sham. So the judge starts off, and the judge actually was not the same judge who took the the guilty plea last year. So he said, you know, I want to go through this guilty plea. And what had happened is Flynn's lawyers and their sentencing memo that they filed with the judge before the hearing yesterday had sort of winked, winked, nod, nodded at this theory, you know, saying he didn't have a lawyer with him, he wasn't warned that lying to the FBI was a crime, when Andrew McCabe, who was the deputy director of the FBI at the time, called him to set up the interview, he sort of mentioned, you know, if you bring a lawyer, we're going to have to jump through some extra hoops here at the DOJ. And the judge, you know, for rightfully wanted to know, you know, are you implying that this was, is a BS plea deal? Because I don't want to administer a plea to someone who, you know, isn't guilty of what he said he's guilty of. And so we had this extended questioning of the judge, uh, questioning Flynn and his lawyers very specifically. Did you know that it was a, a crime to lie to the FBI? Did you have all the irrelevant information to review before you took the plea? Are you satisfied with your legal counsel? And Flynn, for the record, you know, said he was guilty, said he was aware that's a good crime to lie to the FBI, fully admitted his guilt in this whole situation. So that, you know, was the first kind of moment that things deviated from the expected playbook. Now, do then we, things turn a turn, took a but, turn. Before you, get, before you get to that, Tierney, do we have any idea of whether this was sort of Flynn's intent coming through of sort of, of of trying to suggest like, hey, I'm pleading guilty, but this, you know, this this was kind of shady? Or was this just I mean, like I bad there's lawyering? A, there's, there's obviously a, a concern, especially after what we've seen with George Papadopoulos, who also was pled guilty to lie, lying to the FBI, showed up at his sentencing a few months ago and, you know, very emotionally expressed his contrition, only to turn around once he got his very lenient sentence and, you know, bash Mueller through the media and engage in a whole host of shenanigans. So I I do think this was the context that there was probably a lot of concern from the judge that Papadopoulos was trying to do the same thing, you know, put seeds with his filing into the ether that this was a BS guilty plea. So once he served his, you know, probationary sentence or whatever lenient sentence that he got from the judge, he could then go back to his conservative media tour and say, you know, Mahler entrapped me and whatnot. Now, his lawyers, when (laughs) they showed up in court yesterday and realized that, you know, whatever they were trying to do was uh, a major miscalculation on their their part, because it clearly irked the judge, try to spin it as, oh, no, we were just wanted to include that context because, you know, we wanted to make sure you knew why our case is different than George Papadopoulos' case, uh, different than the case of um, Vanderswan, a lawyer who lied to the special counsel while they were investigating a law firm's involvement in the Ukraine lobbying stuff that Manafort was charged with. We're just here trying to show you why Flynn's lies are different than Papadopoulos' lies and Vanderswan lies, so you should judge them differently. Whether the judge bought that, I'm not sure. But either way, I think this was a, a giant miscalculation by Flynn's attorneys to think that they could have it both ways 
you know, put these sort of dog whistles in the sentencing memo while still in trying to show up into court expressing, you know, full contrition and acceptance of responsibility for the crime. Now, okay, so all of us, at least a lot of us in in, in the news business and many listeners probably sort of watched this semi-live in, 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 you know, tweets from journalists having, you know, kind of stray quote here, stray quote there. You were there when when walk us through just the the atmospherics of those those kind of wild quotes that we've all seen from the judge. How did it unfold? So after we go through this sort of plea um, plea discussion, and they have a few more questions for Flynn, they bring the, the prosecutors up uh, and start. He starts asking pr- the prosecutors questions about his cooperation, and this is where the kind of discussion of what he could have been charged with comes up. And as he as he's going through this, you can just kind of feel the emotion sort of racketing up and feeling to start getting pretty emphatic that, you know, I, I think the subtext is, wow, Flynn's getting a pretty sweetheart deal, and you're telling me that you want me to sentence him before, before his cooperation is even over. And in that, you know, started sending these signals to Flynn's attorneys, you know, just because you and Mueller are in agreement that this guy shouldn't serve prison time doesn't mean I get to, I have to give him a lenient sentence with no prison time. I can do what I think is right. And that's when we saw, you know, the bigger quotes come out about, you know, you were a, a for, uh, an unregistered foreign agent while you were in the White House, which is something he had to walk back later. That undermines the flag. Uh, you know, he asked the prosecutors if they, it was a bizarre set of questions when he started asking, you know, what other unlawful activity could you charge with? Because he then escalated to, could you charge him with treason? Which, right. <laughs> you know, the prosecutors were clearly very uncomfortable because it's, you know, even what, what is the definition of treason in a situation like that? Right. And they too later had to come walk, not walk it back because I don't think they said anything wrong, but had to very clarify, very, say very clearly, we don't think he committed treason, but it was just a kind of bizarre escalation as I think the judge was getting more worked up on the idea that, you know, the prosecutors and Flynn attorneys tried to walk into his courtroom and tell him he should get no jail- prison time when there's all this evidence of all these crimes laid out in his sentencing memo and in the other indictments. Now, did, did, do you have a, it's, you know, no way to know, do you have a sense that, uh, that the judge kind of came in pretty pissed because of what was in that sentencing memo, or that this kind of grew organically over the over the course of that, it felt, of that hearing. It felt like it. It felt like it grew or, organically when when he was going to the police stuff. You know, he was saying that he was he was kind of you know very very sort of explanatory why this is important and I just want to make sure and you know it was more calm and more just kind of laid back and I don't want to say it was jokey but it you know tent it we knew it, it was a tense moment just because of the conspiracy theories that we know surround it but he wasn't kind of driving that tension he was just in his uh, pre- presentation was just doing his job but when the kind of the the mode switched to this you know conversation of look at all these crimes you could have charged him with and you know, this is really serious stuff. You were lying in the West Wing. That that was coming. That sort of emotion was coming from the judge. He was driving that sort of tension, and uh, you know, everyone was kind of taken aback by it. Because, as you said, you know, these these plea hearings can be dramatic, but they're dramatic because the defendants or maybe their victims are saying emotional things. It's not the judge usually who's going to be 
giving the quotes that are going to be ending up in headlines at right, the end of it. Right. Now, when he came back, what we got from the, you know, the, the news write-ups is he came back and said something like, okay, you know, I'm not saying he committed treason and, and yeah, you know, kind of walked it back. Yeah, when he came back, again, it was another major shift in the emotion that he definitely, I don't know if he saw what was going, like being splashed on the Chirons or cable news or if his clerk gave him the heads up that maybe he came in a little hot that it totally de-escalated the, the, the mood, said, you know, guys, I, I wasn't trying to wink, wink, nod, nod you, you all into delaying this. I, I, you know, I wasn't trying to make any promises one way or the other. I didn't mean to suggest that he was treason. I need to correct the record that he wasn't doing this lobbying while he was in the White House. You know, he did seem like, but I think he realized, it did seem like he realized he took things a little bit far in the first half of the hearing and needed to pull it back and tone it down. Um, and he was trying his best to sort of clean up what he had created in the first half of the hearing. And it was, in, as a factual matter, though, th- the only error was that point about whether Flynn was still working as a as a paid foreign agent during those three weeks in the White House. And I guess I guess the contract, according to Flynn's lawyers, and, and I, I take it this was backed up by the prosecutors, that actually ended in mid-November, so a couple weeks. Yeah, and it's a question so that the he election. asked the lawyers to confirm, and they said mid, mid-November. So that's not something that was disputed. I mean, you can argue that it's just, a, you know, it, even if he wasn't the national security advisor, if it, you know, just that he was doing this unregistered lobbying while advising, being a top advisor to the, you know, leading presidential candidate is, you know, really bad, bad in and of yeah. itself. Yeah. So yeah. just that factual error doesn't really take away the gravity of, of that um, of that content conduct. But that was the main factual error he had to clean up, and then a lot of it, I think, was just trying to you know, change the context of why he was asking these questions and try to make it seem like, you know, he wasn't just doing this to scream at Flynn, that these questions had, there was a reason he was asking these questions and it wasn't the implication that we we're all taking from it. Right. No. So where did, at, at some point, the, the Flynn's lawyers say, okay, we're going to take that delay you offered or that you suggested. When was that offer made? That was, that was un, unclear to me. Did, did that come up so in the beginning of the hearing? And it, it was there was a couple different times that the judge, you know, stepped back from you know whatever sort of momentum he was getting on and said, you know, you can you can take a break with your lawyers here. So first, when it was you know discussions with the, of the plea, he said, you know, if you're having if you need to talk to your lawyers privately about this plea, like you can do, we can take a break, we can you know take a a, a brief recess or whatever you need to do that, and then. When he started, you know, getting sort of worked up on the seriousness of the crime and sort of stressing that, you know, just because the prosecutors and defense want no prison time, he doesn't have to do that. He would, he, and specifically when he was asking about the cooperation, he would say, you know, defendants typically don't come in front of me for sentencing until their cooperation is completely done so I can consider it and how it can mitigate the seriousness of their crimes. You know, it's it's a risk if you're not going to do that. I'm not going to make any promises one way or the other, but it's a risk that you're you're asking for this before you're done. And that's when the offers started coming. You know, if you want to delay this, if you want to take a break, that's fine. Um, so that's the context of when that offer came up, is when he was discussing the cooperation and how serious the crime was and that, you know, defendants usually wait until... 
their cooperation is finished because that is the best case scenario for them to get a better sentence. Right, right, right. So it sounds like when the offer was made, it was maybe not a notional offer, but not something that, that the judge necessarily expected them to take him up on. And then once things kind of went off the rails... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just don't know how you make that offer and then accuse the person maybe of committed treason and not think they're going to take the, the offer. And right. when he came back, he tried to clean it up and say, oh, that wasn't a wink-wink, nod-nod. Like, I won't necessarily give you a lighter sentence down the road, but... It's hard to put that toothpaste back in the bottle. It right. seemed pretty clear to everyone else in the courthouse that that was the implication that I'm ready to, you know, give you prison time, but maybe be a, a little less uh, harsh if you, you know, we wait till after you testify in this trial or whatever. Um, oh, that's interesting. I, it was that, a weird. That's in, I didn't because I didn't catch that dynamic. I, I so you're saying that that as it as it played in the courtroom, it seemed like. You, you know, almost a suggestion like you're you should wait till you've shown all the cooperation you can, because even though both sides are kind of are, are, seem to be suggesting no jail time, I'm thinking jail time. So why don't you? Yeah, I mean, he didn't say it that explicitly, but, but, it, but I a little think, more than got it. You don't, yeah, you don't yeah. kind of go on this rant about the seriousness of the crime. Unless yeah, no, you, you know, that's where you're kind of heading. Yeah, no, that makes that makes <laughs> yeah, sense. Yeah, like if you're if you're Flynn's attorneys and you're you're you know, you're seeing this judge sort of go off on you know, you betrayed your country. You, you like why would the judge say that unless he's about to you know go above what both sides are recommending here and send you to prison for you know however many months or years? Right, right. So before we finish up. Could you, from where you were sitting, did could you get any sense of, you know, the body language, the reactions of Flynn and his lawyers as this was unfolding? So when they came in, you know, like I said, it it, it seemed like it was going to be a typical thing. Everyone seemed to be pretty cool. You know, prosecutors are laughing and chit chatting and. Flynn seems, you know, you can tell there's a little anxiety because this is a big deal, but he seemed pretty cool and confident and kind of comfortable. You know, this is going to be, you know, he's going to get a finale. He got this great sort of deal with the prosecutors. It's all going to be over. You know, you got that body language from him that, you know, it's almost over. You know, it's I'm, it's going to be okay. And when he came back in after the, the the recess and, you know, after, you know, presumably that they had made the decision to delay it, you can tell that he was very downcast, kind of looking down, very bummed out that, you know, his belief up until an hour prior that he had, you know, kind of done the impossible and gotten Mahler to recommend no prison time has <laughs> just been completely shattered. And he's going to have to be in this for, you know, potentially years if he's we're waiting for him to testify at this trial for his uh ex-partners and that he's got this judge who is you know by no means guaranteed to go along with this plan that he serves no prison time so you could definitely see that wearing on him when he came back in after that recess you know he wasn't i i, I some reporters said that she saw him crying i didn't see that right but i definitely saw him looking very bummed <laughs> way right. more bummed than at the beginning of, right. the, of the year right 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 so what is okay so so th- this whole this whole uh 
back and forth is about finishing his cooperation. So is it is it really just the testimony and maybe, you know, kind of things around the testimony for this trial of his partners? Is that are we clear that that's really all I mean, all that, that remains? Like they, you know, they, they first when they started talking about his cooperation, uh, Mueller's attorneys said, you know, the vast majority is done. It's really, the, you know, the, the vast majority, you know, he's, it's substantial. It, there's a possibility is how they first phrased it. And it was the judge who they had brought up this indictment of his ex-partners to be like, look, he cooperated so much that we had this great, you know, this major indictment unveiled uh, this week. I, you know, I hope you saw that. And the judge then turned around and like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's when the sort of conversation started going about what are the, could he have been charged with these crimes? What are the other crimes he could have been charged with? And that's when it sort of came up. He asked, um, it was, I believe it was actually Flynn's attorney who said, yes, we think it's likely that he'll be called to testify at this. Um, and, you know, there was no sort of signal from the prosecution that, you know, there was more that they had planned for him. Right. They might have reason to, to, to play down any cooperation they had planned for him because they, you know, they had agreed to move on with this with the defense attorneys and get him sentenced. But who knows? They, they have him. They have him on the hook for maybe a couple more months, right. maybe a year, maybe multiple years. But at least as far maybe as they'll find some more things right. they need him to do. But at least as far as we know, it's not like he's cooperated two-thirds on the Russia stuff, and there's still more he has to cooperate on. As far as we know, he's that's kind of done, right? I mean, obviously, there's there's limits on what we can know, but we don't have any reason yeah. to think that there's... Yeah, they didn't say anything. Neither side said anything yesterday that pointed to cooperate, specifically what co- the cooperation would be besides this Turkey case against his ex-partners. Right, right, right. Um it, well, you know, just just a, a final point. What what is striking to me is I would think, and tell me if there's anything that you've learned factually that 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 you know points against this. That at least from the outside, in this whole enterprise, Flynn is the big fish. He's the, I mean, he's the one who makes it significant. He's the one who can do the lobbying. He's the one who is a recent, you know, very high level U.S. government official. The idea that he gets to flip on those guys. That's a very sweet deal just in itself, let alone, you know, that he's not not getting charged. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, pretty, pretty, uh, yeah. pretty so sweet something deal. Something to keep in mind is in the prosecutor's sentencing memo where they laid out his cooperation. There's at least one more investigation that we don't know about. You know, they, they kind of laid out three or four different matters. And, you know, we can assume one's the Russia stuff. One is you know, this turkey stuff, maybe some of the redactions refer to the obstruction stuff, but there's still one giant block of redactions that we don't know anything about what it is exactly. Uh, so that's, maybe that's where his value came into play. Got it. Got it. Okay, Tierney, thank you so much. Uh, let me remind thank everybody you. that uh, Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee is the sponsor of the Josh Marshall Podcast. Get 20% off your first order at Grady's Cold Brew. Dot com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. All right, Tierney. So uh, back on to the uh, r- the far flung Russia stuff. Thank you so much. Uh, thank Thanks you to for my me. yeah, absolutely. Thank you to my co host uh, David, who thank we you, haven't Josh. even heard from uh, this this episode. And uh, we will talk to you next week.